0: Hey friends, you're listening to Cinema 5000. I'm Mallory, the host for this podcast, as this is my podcast. We're hitting the numbers on Letterbox currently at 4,822 movies watched. That means 178 to go. And luckily this weekend, I'm going to a film festival, so I'll be able to get some more numbers clocked or marked very easily without much effort because the name of the game is more Movies but I've got a number of movies to talk to you about right now a couple new releases as well and we're going to start off with Ambulance this is the latest film from Mr. Michael Bay Mr. Action Packed sometimes crude sometimes crazy sometimes robots as in Transformers the filmmaker also known for his work with explosions you know <laughs> Michael Bay is back on screen with the story of uh, a heist gone wrong. Uh, war veteran Will Sharp, who's played by Yahya Abdul Mateen, the uh, second, he has been asked by his brother, sort of a strange brother, Danny Sharp, to help him with a heist where they can steal. million. And Will is very keen on doing this because he needs to pay the bills so his wife can get better. She needs some surgery to help her stay alive. And for the well-being of his family, he's willing to do what it takes. But it turns out this score that Danny has roped him into is a bit bigger than he expected and goes way wrong real fast. So fast, in fact, that they end up stealing an ambulance with a cop who, unfortunately, one of the brothers shot in the attempt to steal the money from the bank. And the cops in Los Angeles are all over these guys as they go through the city at high speeds with not just the cop, but the uh resident, well not resident, resident, but the uh, paramedic who was on board trying to... You know, help out the scene, just so happens she and her uh partner were nearby. They got the call that something was going down. Officer shot, they picked up the officer, and then the driver of the ambulance gets kicked out, and Will and Danny are on the road with paramedic cam and tow. There's a lot that goes on in this movie, lots of action. This movie is more than two hours long. It is two hours and 16 minutes. And let me tell you, for a movie this long, it thankfully keeps up the pace the entire time. Michael Bay sure as heck knows how to stage an action film, give you what you want as far as impact action moments. Uh, Derangement from Jake Gyllenhaal is at a high in this and pairing that with the action scenes how many times am I going to say action? Why don't you start counting? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's very chaotic. It is on edge. It's a grip the armrest kind of movie at parts. There's so much going on. Luckily, Michael Bay had roped in, a I believe, a young a drone uh, speed you know racer um, to navigate the cameras around for some of the shots in this movie, which give it an edge that you don't see in movies every day. Something new to look at. And for a movie that is over two hours long, it's not just the action that keeps you in the game really enjoying the film, but there's enough story going on, enough interaction between the different characters. Isa Gonzalez plays Cam, the paramedic, and she faces off against these two guys. Now, granted, Will is the more level-headed one, while Jake Gyllenhaal's Danny is totally ridiculous. So there's things that happen with the different dynamics between the three of them in the ambulance. All the while, there's this cop there, and uh, the cop is not in the best shape, so at some point, Cam has to uh, save this cop's life, and she gets help from one of the brothers, though again, there's so much intensity and action going on the entire time, you get no chance to breathe, no relaxation, it is nonstop action, action fun, as I said. I don't think I need to say anything more, but Ambulance is a great time. I really enjoyed it. I would have given it four stars on Letterboxd, if not for some plot points that just felt too cliche and a little bit edging on. Kind of racist, but uh, it's kind of what you get with Michael Bay, unfortunately. So if you took that stuff out, I mean, it'd be pretty much a great film. It's not quite great, but I would say it's absolutely worth your time, especially if you want something... Um, just to really rock, (laughs) I don't want to say rock your world, but like, it's just so intense and cool and fun. Like I actually thought about going to see it again really soon, but it's not even really playing in theaters anymore here. So when it comes out on Blu-ray, I would probably watch it again. Ambulance is a good time. And I will say I was a little worried this would be like Michael Bay's ripoff of Heat because it is a heist, but that's not the case at all. It's all about people being in this enclosed space and the dynamics between not only those people in the ambulance, but also all the conversations going around with the different cops in LA who are tracking them, the FBI, stuff outside of that. A lot going on really good film I recommend it okay so that was the first movie I watched since the last episode and then I watched something I just randomly added to my Netflix DVD queue as something I could get somebody on Twitter was mentioning this movie this movie is called Killer Tongue and it is is exactly what you think it is it is the story of a woman I believe she was a nun if I recall correctly she uh ingested a piece of meteorite That's right, a meteorite. And then all this crazy shit went down. And this woman basically turned into like, I don't want to say a snake, but like sort of a demon. And because it's called Killer Tongue, her tongue is literally a um, device for death and it kills people. And there is a lot of just insanely ridiculous imagery in this movie. It is not a well-made movie. It is not high budget. It's very campy. Really, really B-movie quality mid-90s filmmaking. It's from 1996 and it's di- directed by Alberto Sciama. I uh, don't think he's made anything of note. <laughs> um, let me just take a look. Yeah, no, just some other low-budget movies. He even made a movie with James Caan. But anyway, Killer Tongue is going for the outrageous, outlandish uh, craziness that you can get from a film where basically a woman turns into like Almost a snake, but not really, and she's possessed. Uh multiple people are possessed, and I think even some poodles turned into um crazy people. Um it's it's not it's not a good movie. Though if you told me you had the opportunity to see this movie with an audience, it'd either be something that people laughed at the entire time or groaned. One more note I'll make about this movie just because it is so ridiculous that it's not necessarily worth talking about because it was just going for insanity and not really coherency. Uh, Robert England, who you may know as Freddy Krueger, is in the film. I think he was a prison guard of some sort and he was just ridiculous and gross. Um, (laughs) Robert England. Yeah, so he, he gives it all and he can be quite sleazy and gross. And that's what this Movie kind of is. So, Killer Tongue, I sadly don't recommend it. <laughs> All right, so another new movie I saw recently, just saw it last night actually, was the new film starring Nicolas Cage called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And so, as you may know, Nicolas Cage is pretty notorious as a film star. Not just for his acting skills, but the sort of films he has made, such as Con Air, which is discussed in the film. Uh, I actually have never seen The Rock, which is weird because I, I, I somehow have just never seen it. I will be watching it soon, though. And the funny thing is The Rock is briefly mentioned in Ambulance, which is another Michael Bay film. Though uh, Con Air, Face Off, a number of Nick Cage's films are mentioned in this movie. So in the story, Nick Cage is playing a version of himself. He's not Nick Cage, as you may know today. He's just a slightly more different Nick Cage. And in the beginning of the film, he's trying very hard to convince a certain filmmaker. I'll tell you who, because I don't think most people know who he is or are too invested in what he's done. But David Gordon Green is briefly in the movie as David Gordon Green. And Nick Cage uh, is very excited about a certain role that David Gordon Green is optioning Nick for. And they go out, they do the Hollywood schmooze thing, and Nick is feeling washed up. He's feeling like, if I don't get this part, I might as well just stop acting altogether. And uh, yeah, he feels like a disappointment to his ex-wife, to his teenage daughter. And he's looking for some kind of revival in some way. And what ends up happening is that his agent, who's played by... Neil Patrick Harris tells him that there's this opportunity to go to a rich man's birthday party in Spain and he'll get a million dollars. So Nick is at the end of his rope, finds out he doesn't get the part, ends up going to Spain for the million dollars just because he might as well. What else is he going to do? He's feeling like he wants to quit acting and he's a, he's a lost man. He wants to try to get it back together. Turns out, as you may have seen from the trailer, that the man he's going to see is Javi Gutierrez, who is paid, played by Pedro Pascal. Um, Pedro Pascal's Javi is a is a charming gentleman. He's a Nick Cage fan, and he wanted him there for his birthday. And uh, unbeknownst to Nick, Javi is possibly involved in some bad business in the kidnapping of a young woman. Um, but Nick becomes friends with him and they have some things in common and you learn some different things about Javi and his relationships and how much of a Nick fan he is. Um, the movie goes for sort of fish out of water kind of comedy when it comes to the relationship between Nick and, um, Javi. And I'll just frankly say it, this movie was not funny. It was really boring. Um, the version of Nick Cage in this is so... Sanitized from personality, like he's just like, Yeah, I'm Nick Cage, okay. And then there are certain parts in the film where a sort of image of Nick Cage talks to Nick Cage, sort of a younger version, I'd say, like, let's say 1990 Nick Cage, basically. So we're talking like post Moonstruck sort of era (laughs) Hollywood in Vegas, and uh, he's just acting like he's Nick Friggin Cage, like, I'm so cool, you know, Nick, come on, get it together, and so. He That image of Nick tells Nick, you know, you can do this. You can be awesome. Um, but what ends up happening to Nick is that a CIA agent played by Tiffany Haddish kind of intercepts him at the airport and says, hey, we need you to investigate this guy. Uh, Nick goes through with whatever they want him to do because there's this kidnapping happening and the plot of the dynamics of the relationship between Javi and Nick, and then the kidnapping, Um, it's all really flat. It's really badly written. Like, I will say this movie, despite it having a story that I understood where it was going and why it was doing what it was doing, it was just pathetic, like, really bad. Like, the kind of script you would expect in a movie from, like, 1995. Just nothing happening to really make you think. Oh, this is fun. This is new. This is different. It just felt like something made by a computer. Saying, "Okay, this is Nick Cage. He's a little crazy. Okay, we've got this conflict. Okay, this is how it's gonna go. There's no surprises. Nothing going on in the film that really feels memorable. And it's pretty sad because um, Nick Cage, Nicholas Cage, has been a great actor for many, many years. Like he's got an Academy Award. I know who he was." um before he even won his oscar when i was a little kid because the movie honeymoon in vegas when that came out i just remember thinking oh that's a weird concept for a movie who is this guy like why is this guy a star i always thought he was a bit offbeat and yeah he's not like your typical leading man but what makes him charming is that he is so offbeat that he just becomes someone you want to root for and he's done so many movies over the years like to ma to no what no matter what the degree of the film is, like how good it is or anything like that, you always enjoy Nick Cage. Like he's never really bad at anything. Um and it is really sad that he's in this movie and in some respect his character, this version of Nick is just sleepwalking and I just, I just feel like this was a waste of time. I don't understand like what this movie is really trying to say, especially since it doesn't take anything interesting about Nick Cage and put it in this movie. It doesn't say anything about how he's like related to the Coppolas. Like that could have been funny, you know? Like, yeah, my friggin' family. Like, you know, I'm related to the guy that made The Godfather, and here I am doing these direct t- to DVD movies. He's like, well, I gotta pay my bills. Like they allude to that stuff, but it's never like ever on the level of make. Of making it funny or interesting, it's just very bland. Uh, yeah, wow, this movie was not good. Um, I I just feel bad because like I like Nick Cage, and um, I don't want to see him do a movie like this. I want to see him do something where he can have a lot of fun because it just didn't really seem to have a lot of fun. Especially since it had the opportunity to really make this like a buddy comedy. Like it would have been really funny if Javi had no idea about the kidnapping. And to the degree that Nick and him were trying to figure things out. But it doesn't do anything like that. Especially since there's so many things you could do with two men who are both totally um, just out of it. And not really with it. Uh, There is one scene where they do take LSD together. Which I got some amusement out of. It wasn't really funny. But at least it was trying for something. Even though it was so familiar. Um, Tiffany Haddish is in this movie for like... scenes she probably did like two days worth of work for it um and then they try to do this stuff with nick's ex-wife and his daughter and uh, it's not not funny not good like you don't have to do that you don't have to make him feel like he's a failure to his family and the one thing that like I i thought was just the dumbest thing is that there's this reference to um favorite movies so like javi has a favorite movie that he has in common with nick the cabinet of Dr. Caligari and like, okay, fine. You're going to reference that. But then Javi um, says that he loves Paddington too. And they have this scene where Nick watches Paddington too. And it would have been so funny if they had like more references to Paddington too, or even had like a brief scene where like they're watching it and they're crying together and holding each other. But no, they just take the cheap way out where it's just like, oh my God, we did this thing. Move on. Like, this whole entire script, this whole movie takes everything it has. Like, it takes all the keys, all the jewels, all the wonderful resources for material that it could have, and it just doesn't care about them at all and just leaves it alone, doesn't do squat with the material. I, I mean, I'm saying all this now, and it's making me feel even worse about the movie <laughs> than I did already before. Like, I rated it two stars on Letterboxd, and it's like, now it's like, God, this is just, it's just bad because it doesn't do anything. There was so much material here, all squandered by this very unbearable, unbearable film. Um, Yeah, so don't watch that if you haven't. Don't even rent it. I don't. You you probably will, though. You'll probably wait for Netflix or Hulu, like most people, because it didn't make a lot of money. Okay, so (laughs) I am going to close out the show telling you now about the movie I just watched. Now, um, Waterworld. You've heard of it. I've just seen it now. I had never seen this movie, uh, despite it coming out in like the mid-90s in the heyday of when I was starting to get into films. Waterworld was directed by Kevin Reynolds, who you may know as the filmmaker behind such films as Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, also starring uh, Kevin Costner, (laughs) as well as The Count of Monte Cristo with, I believe it was Jim Caviezel. Yeah, in Guy Pearce. I never saw that one either. Jeez, uh, I have seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and that's okay. It's not a great film, but it's enjoyable. Now, Waterworld, not a great film either. Uh, it has some very impeccable imagery, like very good ideas when it comes to what this world is, which is basically like Mad Max on the water. Uh, (laughs) Kevin Costner stars with Dennis Hopper and Jean Triplehorn and Tina Margarino, who if you may remember back from like the mid nineties, she was in the movie Andre, but um, Tina Margarino's character, um, what was her name? Uh, It was Enola. She has this map on the back on her back. It's a tattoo. And it's basically a map to where dry land is because they're stuck on the water. Um, Kevin Costner's character is just the Mariner. He's just this guy who uh, comes into conflict and is trying to survive. And um, he gets saved uh, by Gene Triplehorn's character, um, Helen, who is with Enola, and she's trying to save her. It's a lot of kind of expected stuff of like, you know, there's some resource out there and people are trying to get it and there's bad guys and killers and um, Dennis Hopper very ridiculous in the movie (laughs) Uh, as you may or may not know he only has one eyeball there's some imagery with that in his uh, makeup Um, I think this movie is pretty well made for a mid nineties actioner. Like if I saw this when I was a little kid, I would have thought this was pretty impressive. I don't know if I would have liked it back then. Uh, I do remember the day that my dad took my sister to see this movie. And I was like, I want to go and be like, no, you can't go. It's too mature for you. So I do regret not seeing water World in the theater. Um, I do think this would have been a fun movie to see like with an audience because there's some theaters that show movies like this, uh, As, like, a repertory thing where it's like, you know, watch it in 35 millimeter film and enjoy it with an audience. I don't think this would be too bad. Um, But I think the problem with this one is that the script is just not interesting. The characters aren't written very well. It doesn't follow any kind of interesting plot. It's not like Kevin Costner is really amazing in this part either. He's just this dude and he's kind of an asshole. Um, It would have been so much more interesting if, like, he had, like, maybe a sidekick who was like a wisecracking thing and he was the straight guy but instead he's just this jerk uh there's some moments where he uh has interactions with gene Triplehorn, horn which don't feel very earned it's just kind of like oh he's a dick and they have to make up despite the issues going on between them there's some underwater stuff that's a little bit interesting like they show like under the world like before the ice caps melted uh what the world was though if you apply any kind of logic to this kind of movie especially with the dry land stuff it doesn't really make sense that the sea levels have rise risen so far and anything under there would be preserved because it'd be all be rubble if you think about it uh yeah, there's, there's some action in this that is, uh, uh it's fun, you know, stuff with ski jets. Uh, there's a couple recognizable, like side characters, like Michael Jeter is in this, if you ever watched Evening Shade. Um, <laughs> and then like, I, I don't know, there's a couple, there's a couple character actors in this film that are, you know, in little bit parts. Uh, Jack Black shows up briefly. Uh, this isn't a good movie, but as far as, like, a mid-90s feel, like, it hits that mark. I think about um, seeing, like, Terminator 2 on TV when I was a kid, and it was just, like, whoa, action, and then, like, going back to, I watched, you know, Ambulance just some days before this, and I think about, like, the progression of what you get with a movie in different eras, so, like, 90s, A 90s version of Ambulance would be so much more straightforward and like Michael Bay way more restrained. And then like a movie like this, even though it's not very compelling as far as the storytelling, it does have a lot of action moments that you look at it and you think, okay, this stuff was all done with practical effects like the explosions, the different chases on the water and the boats like it all had to be functional. It all had to work. And that's where there is at least some charm in this film Again, I don't think it's very good, but at the same time, you kinda know what you're getting if you're looking at this movie. Even its poster with just half of Kevin Costner's face. It is what it is. Mad Max on the water. Um I uh I I think it's okay. It's it's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh I guess that's all I have to say for movies right now and what I've seen, uh no big, you know, summary to say other than, like, if you get the chance to see Ambulance, you might enjoy it. Um I, as I said in the beginning of this podcast, have a film festival coming up that I'm going to go to. So I've got a number of films I'm going to check out. Might get in another new movie before the next show. But, uh yeah, if you have any questions or things you want to reach out about, you can check out Cinema 5000 on Twitter. cinema 5 K. Follow along on Letterboxd. Letterboxd is M-M-M-A-L-L-O-R-Y. Mallory with three M's, that is, on Letterboxd. Or send an email, cinema 5 pod at gmail.com if you have any questions or queries, anything you want to say. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and we'll talk again next time. Take care.